Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the season finale of the third season of the Blind Tag Podcast. My name is Kyle Nashheim. So, I think when I first started it, I was going to try to do do one every week. And then, obviously, 2021, I had a lot of um, ups and downs. So, when 2022 came around, I'm like, you know, I'm going to break, I'm going to take a break sometime in, in the summer, four or five weeks, and maybe during that break, record some content that's not necessarily time sensitive. What, what I mean, what I mean by time sensitive is, um, say I'm doing a episode on recording an episode on the College World Series and then I air it in September. At that point, July, August, it's been three months. Or I record an episode about the college football playoff and I air it in April. That, that don't make sense. So, I do have some things that I'm going to be recording. Um, I'm not, I'm not going to give too much away, with, but I do have some interviews lined up on a very, very, very controversial topic um, that has been in the news uh, over the last week. Actually, over the last month, but it just became official last Friday. Um, I'm also not going to give my view on it yet. You know, publicly, you know, people who know me will probably know what my view is on it, but it's going to be 100% other people's views. On the positive side of it, on the negative side of it, depending on how you look at it, uh, both sides of the equation, of the debate. Excuse me. Um, but it, it, it does involve uh, Roe versus Wade. Once again, I'm not going. I'm not going to get into my opinion on it until I let other people talk about it. I allow, you know, I, I, I have right now four confirmed interviews and I got a couple more who are going to get back to me. Um, and it's going to, it's, I, I, I think it's going to be one of the most powerful episodes I've put on because it ain't going to be my voice. And in fact, I'm pro- on that episode, I'm probably not going, if I even mention my view on it, it's probably going to be after, at the very end. Um, so, look out for that. It's probably going to air. I haven't decided when I'm going to end the break, but it's probably going to be beginning, the middle of August, stuff like that. So, like I said, uh, definitely have some... Uh, um, big things coming, some topical things coming, um, but that is what you have to look forward to in about a month's time, but this week, the College World Series has concluded, and we have a new College World Series champion. Who is it? You're going to have to wait and find out. 
because we're going to drag this out as much as possible because it is fun to do. Also, the NBA draft was this past Thursday and had some interesting um, trades or anything like that. Knicks fans are have checked their watch and this is now the yearly and uh, the annual oh my god what the hell are we doing well honestly if the Knicks knew what they were doing they would have not done it just just saying just saying but also a historic event I I want to say and I'm, I'm going to have to look this up real quick. But I believe this is... Uh, the first pay-per-view... That is... Um, Co-promoted... By two wrestling organizations. And it was Triple A's When World Collides, uh, produced by WCW. Um, So WCW and AAA, um, it had 13,000 people in the LA Memorial Sports Arena. On November 6, 1994, with the main event scene, Pero Aguayo defeating Conan in a steel cage match. Five matches on the card. Um, apparently there was a lawsuit about this. As Eastern Championship Wrestling, which had promoted an event titled When Worlds Collide in 1994, sued WCW for copyright infringement. This case was settled out of court. As part of the settlement, WCW agreed to supply three of its contracted wrestlers for an ECW event. In November of 1994, Kevin Sullivan, Sherry Martell, and Steve Austin, later Brian, uh, replaced by Brian Pillman. But the show I'm talking about that just ha- that that happened this past Sunday is the Forbidden Door, the craziest thing ever to take place. New Japan Pro Wrestling and All Elite Wrestling co-promoting a pay-per-view. Now, it had some awesome matches. Three matches on the pre-show, which, to be honest, considering everything going on, you know, you need to try to stretch it out as much as possible. Excuse me. Matches such as a three-way winners take winner take all match for the Ring of Honor and IWGP Tag Team Titles, 
IWGP United States title being defended. The inaugural AEW All-Atlantic Champion determined. The interim AEW World title and the IWGP World Heavyweight title all being defended and all being cross-promotional matches. So, we're going to break down what happened. And see, was it a good show? Was it a bad show? Well, it's the big show. Oh, shit. Damn it. I forgot. He's not the big show anymore. Oh, well. Eh. I ain't going to complain. But, we got a big show. See, here I go again. Oh, the big show. The big bag show tonight. Okay, that's it. I'm, I'm, I, I gotta stop before I just start, you know, dying over here. Um, we're gonna take a break before I start doing gimmick infringement on any other wrestlers no longer employed by a certain organization. Um, but, no, in all, all series, I think it's gonna be a great show. And who knows? I might also touch. I'm also looking at the news and see uh, what's going on with Mr. Deshaun Watson and live a couple updates on those controversial topics. We're going to take a break when we come back. I'm going to play Russian Roulette and see which topic I talk about first. But I can guarantee you the last topic will be the College World Series. We will be right back. Before we get back to the podcast, I want to give a shout out to Light Saturation for the awesome new intro that I found on Pixabay.com. That is P-I-X-A-B-A-Y.com. You can find all type of royalty-free music for your podcast, backgrounds for videos, YouTube videos, all different type of genres on Pixabay.com. That is P-I-X-A-B-A-Y.com. Alright, welcome back. And I think we want to start off kind of like chronologically. Um, we're going to go with the NBA draft. Now, for the first time since 2019, this draft was held in its traditional June time slot. Just like the finals was held in its tradi- tra- excuse me, traditional June time slot if I could actually you know collect my thoughts for a second apparently my brain has went on summer vacation even though I still have to record the finale but it is what it is so some interesting stats going into this draft uh, going into the 2022 NBA draft Duke and Kentucky had have had the most number one picks in among U.S. colleges during the common draft era 
starting in 1966. Duke selections include Elton Brand in 99, Kyrie Irving in 2011, and Zion Williamson in 2019. All of the Wildcats selections have been in the last 15 years with John Wall in 2010, Anthony Davis in 2012, and Carl Anthony Towns in 2015. The Barclays Center hosting its ninth NBA draft. A college freshman going into this draft has been selected number one overall in the last 12 drafts. The last non-college freshman to be selected was Blake Griffin, sophomore out of Oklahoma in 2009. The Rookie of the Year in 2016-2017, Malcolm Brogdon, is the only player not drafted in the first round to win the award in the common draft era. He was drafted 36 overall. Two-time reigning Kia NBA MVP uh, Nikola Djokovic was selected 41st, making him the lowest drafted player to be named MVP with the exception of Moses Malone, three-time recipient, who was undrafted. It's it's strange to say that Moses Malone was undrafted. Now it's, that's just the history of the league. Let's look at some of these teams. The Orlando Magic is set to make the first pick for the fourth time in history. They have a up and down history with the number one pick. They had hits with Shaquille O'Neal in two, 1992 and Dwight Howard in 2004. And they had a miss in Chris Webber in 1993. The Oklahoma City Thunder is set to select in the top five for the first time since 2009, which is insane considering they've tried to be tanking for the last couple years. I'm just It's just insane to say that. The Pistons are set to make the fifth pick in the NBA draft for the first time ever, which is weird. The Portland Trailblazers are set to make their highest pick since selecting Damian Lillard, with the sixth pick in the 2012 NBA Draft. Is that an omen? And the Pacers are set to make their highest draft pick since they select Rick Smith's number two overall pick in 1988. Uh, we have some interesting um, basketball family, uh, parts of basketball families being in this draft. Uh, Ron Harper Jr., guard forward out of Rutgers, is the son of Ron Harper. Duke forward A.J. Griffin is the son of Toronto Raptors assistant coach Adrian Griffin. Jabari Walker is the son of Shamaki Walker. Uh, won a championship with the 0102 Lakers. Scotty Pippen Jr., if I need to explain who, who his dad is, you just need to stop right now. Is in this draft. Uh, Julian Champagne is the identical twin brother of Raptors forward Justin Champagne. Uh, Jaden Ivey is the son of Notre Dame women's basketball coach Nile Ivey, who helped the Fighting Irish win the 2001 NCAA championship. And Duke center Mark Williams is the brother of Washington Mystics center forward Elizabeth Williams a 2017 WNBA All-Star. 
The NBA Global Academy has is starting to churn out stars as there are three players who could become graduates of that academy program to get drafted. Dyson Daniels, Benedict Mothran, and Hyun Jung Lee. Congratulations to them. New Zealand Breakers. Just give me a second. Yeah, New, uh, New Zealand Breakers. Forward Asume Daing. Trained at the same academy as Tony Parker is in this draft. And there, uh, let's see, in the NBA G League uh, last season, three players were selected from the G League Ignite team, which is basically like a, um, I don't want to go to college, but I can't go to the NBA yet. So I'll join this team and then I can get drafted. Uh, 37 of the 60 players in the selected in the 2021 draft played in the NBA during the season, including 16 first-round selections. So, what does that mean for the draft? Well, I'm glad you asked that question. The con- the basic uh, odds-on favor. Well, we got to discuss. There were some pre-draft uh, trades, and some of these happened years ago. Um, the Lakers gave uh, the um, Pelicans acquired the 2022 first-round pick from the Lakers. Washington acquired a 2022 second-round draft pick. All of this was so the Lakers could get Anthony Davis. Uh, the the Thunder owned the Clippers 2022 first round pick in their trade for Paul George. And then let's see. Then, of course, you got the convoluted trade for James Harden, uh, which gave Houston a 2022 first-round pick. I believe that was from Cleveland. Gotta love how when you're trying to look something up and uh, thing things just want to go haywire. All right, well, yeah, there was a there was a lot of pre-trades. I'm not going to read through all of them. Uh, and there was some trades during the draft. I'm only going to touch on the ones that involved players, not draft rights. Um, Danny Green was acquired by Memphis. From Philadelphia in exchange for DeAnthony Melton. Memphis also got the rights, draft rights to David Roddy. Uh, let's see. Houston required the draft rights of Wendell Moore Jr. and then got Boban 
Trey Burke, Marquise Chris, and Sterling Brown just so Dallas can get Christian Wood. Um, let's see. I believe that was... Yeah, there was one more. Oh, I can't remember. Alright, so... Who who got drafted number one? I know that's that's what everyone wants to know. Well, let's um, let's go. And the Orlando Magic's like Duke freshman Paleo Benchero, freshman out of Duke. Chet Holmgren, freshman out of Gonzaga, went second to Oklahoma City. Jabari Smith Jr. Freshman out of Auburn went to the Houston Rockets. The first upperclassman selected was Jalen Williams, junior out of Santa Clara. So that trade for Paul George got him a upperclassman. Uh, the first senior was Oche Abaji, senior out of Kansas. Um, really not, I mean, everyone was kind of surprised with Paleo, uh, moving up the board quickly. Um, I think 24, 48 hours prior, there was a real buzz on him. So basically, you know, that's, that was the draft. Oh, uh. And the New York Knicks um, basically just shit the bed. They got rid of Kimball Walker's salary, dumped him to the Pistons, and the Pistons are going to weigh, are going to buy him out or waive him or whatnot. So he's going to become a free agent. Like Knicks fans, just prepare yourselves for another year of hell. I'm just saying. Um. But other than other than that, it was really kind of an uneventful draft, in my opinion. You know, no major. That was the major trade was Kimbo to Detroit. Everything else was kind of like, eh. So we'll see what happens. Free agency is coming up, and we'll see uh, where everyone decides to go. But speaking of going, we need to take a trip. And walk into the forbidden door when we come back.
All right, so now that we got the NBA draft out of the way, we got to walk into the forbidden door. AEW and New Japan Pro Wrestling present Forbidden Door, the first pay-per-view co-promoted in has to be decades. Um, Now, there was a lot of people having to pull out for injury reasons. Um, There was also, and here's an interesting little factoid. See, AEW has a relationship with New Japan. AEW has a relationship with AAA in Mexico. But New Japan has a long time standing relationship with CMLL. And AAA and CMLL do not like each other. Like, if you have your contract up with AAA and you jump over to CMLL, you're blacklisted from AAA. So, as far as the injury front goes, people like CM Punk, Brian Danielson, uh, Tomoro Ishii, uh, Tomoro uh, Takahashi, um, were unable to participate for one reason or another. Um, so, like the playing matches that both companies wanted to do, they couldn't. Um, so there was a lot of rearranging in the card. But the fact that both organizations have a deep roster didn't take away from this card. The pre-show, which normally has uh, one, the buy-in normally has like one or two matches. They they had four matches. Like literally, I watched the pre, I watched the buy-in, and all of the uh, basically the entire buy-in was matches with some promos in. So first and foremost, you had a. Uh, Bushimon, Hiroku, Hiroki Goto, and Yoshihashi defeated the factory team of Aaron Solo and QT Marshall. Marshall is hated. Like, that crowd hated him. Really, which is which is good for him, which means he's doing his job. Uh, Hiroki Goto and Yoshihashi, former winner of the World Tag League in New Japan Pro Wrestling, which is his annual tournament to determine the number one contender for the IWGP heavyweight tag team titles at Wrestle Kingdom or it's um, it's more known in I would say like Japan's Wrestlemania next up Lance Archer defeated Nick Koromoto in singles action, Lance Archer is actually going to Japan next month. He will be participating in the G1 Climax, which determines the number one contender for the IWGP World Heavyweight title at Wrestle Kingdom. And this is the largest field ever. There will be 28 participants, four groups of seven, with group 
A winner facing group B in the semis and in group C versus group D and then those will face in the final it is a month long tournament absolutely grueling tournament in on, on days I think there's like some rest days but you're, you're wrestling like it's a month long tour so this was kind of a tune up for Archer Next up, we had Swerve in our glory. Keith Lee and Swerve Strickland still having some communication issues from the Battle Royal three weeks ago. Defeated Suzuki Goon members El Desperado and Yoshinoru Kanemaru. I want to apologize. If I mess up a name, I do apologize. Um, now, this Suzuki Goon team of Desperado and Kanemaru are their traditional junior heavyweight tag team they are former IWGP junior heavyweight tag team champions and they went up against the brick law Keith Lee the miscommunications were played up in this match as well when they isolated Strickland but Keith Lee and Strickland came out on top and finally the Funniest group I can think of Max Caster and the Gun Club, Billy Gunn and his sons, Austin Colton, defeated. Alright. Yuya Yuimoru, Alex Coughlin, DKC, and Kevin Knight from the New Japan LA Dojo. Uh the, the kids of Billy Gunn were taken out of the equation early because Danhausen decided to preview their new ass boys themes which sent them running to the back um, I'm going to go ahead and tell you now if you have not in any way shape or form see any of Max Caster's raps coming to the ring watch them on YouTube they are funny, they are very topical and sometimes a little wink wink nudge nudge but let's move on to the main card the main card started with a six I'm gonna go ahead and tell you this now all these matches went over 10 minutes the shortest match was the women's title match at 10 minutes and 40 seconds the next shortest was the a six-man tag later on clocking 13 the two world title matches clocked in almost 40 minutes combined. So, no short matches, all action. First up, Minoru Suzuki and the Jericho Appreciation Society team of Chris Jericho and Sammy Guevara takes, takes on Eddie Kingston, Shota Yamino, and Wheeler Yuta. Uh, the winner of this match would get the man advantage in Blood and Guts later on tonight on TBS. And here was, I did not notice. So when they announced his opponents uh, and they said the, the, the New Japan representative for Kingston and Yuta, I went, who the hell is that guy? He is apparently the New Japan young boy that Jericho attacked in the Tokyo Dome 
who happens to be the son of the famous Red Shoes referee. So, there you go, symmetry. Suzuki and the Jericho Appreciation Society won the match. JAS has the main advantage for blood and guts. Moving on up, winner-take-all tag team match for the Ring of Honor and IWGP Tag Team Champions. Um, definitely had a conversation with Matt and Bennett about this, so I hope they're listening to this segment. Because I'm going to basically read them the riot act on this. FTR is the reigning Ring of Honor Tag Team Champions, Rapungi Vice was challenging for those titles before the United Empire team of Great O'Conn and Jeff Cobb interrupted the match in Vegas before Double or Nothing staking their claim that they wanted to basically destroy anybody they wanted to. In Dominion about a week and a half ago actually about two weeks ago the United Empire team defeated Chase Owens and Bad Luck Fale to win the IWGP Heavyweight Tag Team titles. Well, this match was great. Dax Harwood, they did an injury spot with Dax Harwood. He went to the back. He came back. House on fire. FTR defeated both teams, winning the IWGP Tag Team title. And here's where our my conversation with Matt and Bennett. One of them decided to say that the Usos are better than FTR. That's cute. See, the Usos have only one tag team gold in WWE. Okay. Are they one of the greatest tag teams in WWE history? Absolutely. Is their resume in WWE against FTR or the Revival's resume in WWE not comparable? Absolutely. Absolutely. But FTR decided they're going to be better than what they were in WWE. So now not only are they a former NXT Tag Team Champion, Raw Tag Team Champion, SmackDown Tag Team Champion, they are now a former AEW Tag Team Champion and currently the Ring of Honor Tag Team Champions who they defeated the greatest tag team in Ring of Honor history, the Briscoe Brothers, to win. The AAA Tag Team Champions where they defeated the Lucha Brothers and now the IWGP Tag Team Champions. A, title, a set of titles held by Amer- from American perspectives Carl Anderson and Doc Gallows and the Steiner Brothers so I'm just saying if you put their entire their entire resumes up against each other Usos are great in their in these sports entertainment bubble I would love to, I would love to see them in F- FTR now in a wrestling match. 
Moving on down to the first ever AEW All-Atlantic Championship match. Uh, Tomoro Ishii was supposed to be in this match. He got injured in a semifinal contest against... Um, Uh, Kanemaru and was unable to compete so Clark Connors who he defeated in the finals of the Japanese tournament takes his spot against Pac, Miro and Malachi Black this was a 15 minutes all out assault on your senses but Pac wins his first title since dropping in, in, in a major promotion since dropping the WWE Cruiserweight title to himself Amore. Not not that he wanted to. By defeating by pinning uh, making Clark Connors submit. So congratulations to Pac. Now this next match was supposed to be an eight-man tag. Elephant the Bullet Club team of El Phantasmo, Matt Jackson, Nick Jackson, the Hikaleu versus Darby Allen Sting. And the Los Ingonables de Japón duo of Shingo T- uh, Tagagi and Rumoro Takahashi. Or Tanahashi. Unfortunately, Rumoro uh, was suffering a fever. And doctors said, no, you're not traveling to the United States because they wanted to make sure that it wasn't anything COVID related or whatnot. Understandable. Um. So it was changed to a six-man tag. Hikaleo now in their corner. The best spot of the night. Sting took the double super kicks from the from the Young Bucks and just stood up, shrunk it off, and did what Sting does. So Sting, he is more of an icon now than he was in the 90s. That's saying something. The dudes of attitude, Darby, Sting, and uh, Shingo won the match in 13 minutes. In the only contest between AEW competitors, Thunder Rosa defeated Tony Storm to retain the AEW Women's World Title. As much as I believe Tony Storm should have won it, it's too still too soon in the. Uh, lineage you know, in Thunder Rosa's reign. So, and the one thing I've noticed is they don't do short reigns a lot. If there's if there's a, a short reign, there's a medical reason more likely behind it, or a storyline reason behind it. But the majority of reigns have been very long, which establishes the credibility of a championship. WWE. Now. Getting to the meat and potatoes of the event, Will Ospreay, after winning the IWGP United States Championship at Dominion, was challenged by Orange Cassidy with the person who had previously held the belt but had to vacate it due to injury. Um, Juice Robinson in the crowd with the belt funny stuff that that gives them that little tie in to whenever they try to settle that up Will Ospreay defeated Cassidy in 16 minutes and 45 seconds 
Osprey and then Ozzy Open attacked Cassidy and also Rocky Romero and Beretta until Shibata, the head of the LA Dojo and one of the legitest, legitest badasses in Japanese wrestling came down and said, Hi, let me kick your ass. So, but the match was great. Next up, Zack Sabre Jr. had to wrestle Brian Danielson's hand-picked opponent because Brian Danielson was injured. And it was Claudio Castanelli, the former Cesaro. And the reaction just is like, okay, shit. 18 minutes and 30 seconds. Oh, and Claudio Castagnoli defeated Zack Sabre Jr. He is a member of the Black Bull Combat Club. He will be in Blood and Guts tonight. That's going to be fun. Now we get to our semi-main event. The IWGP World Heavyweight Championship Kajuska Okada, the former champion, lost the title to Jay White two weeks ago at Dominion. Now Hangman Adam Page, Okada, and Adam Cole are trying to take the title away from him. Storytelling galore in this matchup, but Jay White won the match. Of course, Adam Cole turned on Jay White because, you know, it's Adam Cole. Baby. And then finally, John Moxley... After three years away from the sports entertainment realm, has been calling out Tanahashi. He's never, they haven't, their paths have never been able to cross, but now they have. And in 18 minutes and 20 seconds, John Moxie defeats Hiroshi Tanahashi to win the interim AEW World Championship setting up a future matchup with CM Punk if he still holds the, the interim championship. Whew. I'm going to have to watch the replay. I, 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 had, I had stuff I had to do. I wasn't I want to like buy it and then not be able to watch it like 100% live. But, you know, just, you know, watching highlights and clips. Oh, my God. Uh, let's... Let's put it this way. This is probably going to go down as the greatest pay-per-view. I'm, I'm going to say post-pandemic era. This even was better than All Out last year, which had the double surprise of Danielson and Adam Cole. So, and of course, everyone's been, you know, all the pure WWE fans and we're like, oh, well, it was just a spot fest. Um, I I dare you to watch a show outside of the WWE. I grew up a WWEF fan. But I also watched WCW. I also watched ECW. Fans now have that opportunity. You have AEW, you have MLW, 
you have Impact, you have New Japan. That's four promotions in itself. I'm not even talking about AAA or CMLL. There's the ability to watch them. So, just because you're a WWE fan doesn't mean you only have to watch WWE. I consider myself a wrestling fan because watching three different uh, a show from three different companies makes it more a more well-rounded opinion of okay, this is good. This is bad. This is shit. Holy shit, that is awesome. And guess what? They could be on the same show. They could be on different shows. So, I would highly recommend, and I'm going to work on it myself, getting the replay and watching it. So, I think we stretch it on long enough. Up next... What happened in the College World Series? So, before we really talk about um, the College World Series, I want to briefly touch on the Stanley Cup Finals. Congratulations to the Colorado Avalanche with a 2-1 victory in Game 6, defeated the two-time reigning, defending Stanley Cup champion in Tampa Bay Lightning to host the Cup for the first time since 2001 when they defeated the New Jersey Devils 4-3 in a thrilling series. Also, congratulations to Matt on winning our bracket prediction. He uh, had a very, very solid uh, conference finals where he got both winners right and one of the series correct to catapult him into the lead. Matt wins with 980 points out of a possible 1930. Second place is James on the back of a pretty decent conference finals. Third place is myself. I was the only one who got points in the Stanley Cup finals as I predicted it would go six games and then tied for last is Bennett and Mike with 600. Bennett didn't get a single prediction correct in the conference finals whereas Mike used some predictions to get him into a tie so Matt congratulations but let's move on down to the other side let us go to Omaha Nebraska you know the brackets I've already I laid it out last week. Excuse me. So, how did the games go? Well, it's all started June 17th. The Notre Dame Fighting Irish defeated the ninth seed 
Texas Longhorns 7-3. And then Oklahoma defeated 5th seed Texas A&M 13-8. Texas A&M wasn't really disciplined defensively as they committed two errors on the day. Moving on to June 18th. Old Miss defeated 14 seed Auburn 5-1 in an A. Um, hi, how are you doing moment. The Arkansas Razorbacks put 21 hits on the Stanford Cardinal winning 17-2. I want to do a deep dive real quick. A quick deep dive on into the box score. They had two home runs, a two-run shot by Wallace and a three-run shot by Lazelli. Uh, one, two, three, four doubles. Webb had a double. He also had a triple. He did not have an, a home run, so he did not get a um, the cycle. The Cardinals' starting pitcher Williams. Took the loss four and a thirds inning, five earned, had six Ks. The Razorbacks starting pitcher Nolan went seven and two thirds, only had one strikeout, and he allowed six hits but only two earned runs. So, if you notice, the entire the, the first set of games, the unseeded team won, which I believe was a first. It was the first time also that I think I saw a stat saying that it's the first time that all the I don't know I'm I don't have it in front of me so I'm not going to try to quote it. So moving on to Sunday the 19th in an elimination game, the Texas A&M Aggies defeated ninth seed Texas 10 to two. It was a defensive sloppy game as both teams were charged to errors. In the winner's bracket of the top half, Oklahoma defeated Notre Dame 6-2. Once again, some sloppy defensive play as three errors were charged, two of them, to the winning Sooners. So Texas is the first team eliminated. They finished 8th place in the College World Series. I believe eighth or tied tied for seventh. Moving on to the bottom half of the bracket on June twentieth, fourteenth seed Auburn sends home the highest seed remaining Stanford six to two. Stanford eliminated after two games, and then Old Miss defeated Arkansas thirteen to five. So after Arkansas went put seventeen on Stanford, they could only muster. Five against the Rebels of Old Miss. Now, moving on to Tuesday, June 21st, we have elimination games. First in the upper half, Texas A&M defeats Notre Dame and five to one. Eliminating the Fighting Irish from the tournament. 14th seed, Arkansas gets their offensive mojo back as they eliminate Auburn 
11 to 1. This is kind of a weird situation. So, let's move back a little bit. Indy winners brackets. Oklahoma. And it's Oklahoma and Old Miss. So, based on the results of Tuesday, Oklahoma would play Texas A&M. Old Miss would play Arkansas. A win by Oklahoma or Old Miss sends them to the College World Series Finals. A win by A&M or Arkansas means a, if necessary, game will have to be played. But how did that work? Well, Oklahoma decided to take the uh, um, mystery out of it, defeating the Sooners 5-1, to one, meaning a unseeded champion would be crowned. Arkansas decided they wanted to hang around in Omaha just for another day as Arkansas defeats Ole Miss 3-2, setting up a Ole Miss victory 2-0 on Thursday, June 23rd. Ole Miss versus Oklahoma in the College World Series Finals. Oklahoma had not won a College World Series since 1994. Ole Miss has never won a College World Series. Game 1 was on Saturday night. And the bats for the Rebels came out on fire. In fact, back-to-back home runs were hit in the 8th inning by Harris and McCants, scoring a total of 3 runs. This is also on the back of a solo shot by Oko, and Bench hitting a solo shot, I'm sorry, back-to-back-to-back home runs in the 8th inning. Uh, Two doubles, yeah, the starting pitcher for the Sooners went six and a third inning, giving up seven hits, three earned runs, 10 Ks. I mean, that, that's just insane. Uh, but it wasn't all rosy on the other side. Uh, Doherty went five innings for the Rebels, six Ks, allowed two, uh, two earned runs. So the Rebels took a one. A 10-3 victory to secure game one. And in game two, with Oklahoma up 2-1 in the bottom of the eighth inning, that is when the bats, and let me, that's when the bats decided to come out and play. Old Miss scored three runs in the eighth off of a Gonzalez single to right, a a wild scoring on a two wild pitches. Bench and Gonzalez scored on wild pitches to give the running Rebels, uh, I think just the Rebels, a 4-2 victory to win their first College World Series title. And thus, ladies and gentlemen, the 2021 22 
NCAA sports calendar is officially over. And now comes all the realignment of everyone moving conferences and stuff like that. And then we're just a couple months away from college football and field hockey and soccer and volleyball. So Stephanie's going to be good. Oh, um, I believe Elko was the uh, who was the most outstanding player. Yeah, I think it was Elko. So, but once again, congratulations to Old Miss, and congratulations to just everyone that made the field. Like this is one of the craziest tournaments that I've seen in a while. Um, based on the fact that you had unseeded teams in the final. You had three of the four semifinalists as unseeded teams. So, all this talk about, oh, well, you know, we need to secure a, a, a top 16 seed so that way we can have, or a top 8 seed so we can have home home field advantage um, into the College World Series. And if we get a top 16 seed, we get home home field advantage until uh, uh, the Super Regional. That's it's not true. Both of these teams were not regional hosts, and yet they played for the national title. So let's see. Honestly, I think this is a good place to stop um, because like I said, you know, this is the season finale. We will, I will be doing some interviews and some, we'll be touching on some serious topics in about a month or so. Um, but, you know, July is going to be a interesting month, you know, the anniversary of my dad and my, my grandmother passing, so... It's, yeah, I think now's the time just like really just rest a little bit and stuff like that. Um, I want to thank everyone for listening. I also want to thank everyone who's um, going to talk to me about these or talk with me about these uh, controversial topics, um, letting their voices heard. So. I hope everyone has a great July 4th, rest of July, and make sure you stay tuned to uh, the social, uh, Instagram social media page at Blind Tag Podcast. I will let you know when we're putting the first episode back of season four. My name is Kyle Nash. I once again thank everyone for listening. And have a great day.